Hello and welcome to the Growing Green Podcast. Your host, Jeremiah Jennings, is the owner of Growing Green Landscapes in Birmingham, Alabama, and has a passion for growing the entrepreneurship community for those who are young in business. Being a business owner isn't easy, especially in the early years, and that's why in this show we dive into a wide range of topics covering all the challenges small business owners deal with. Even if your company is generating a million dollars or more, the stories from our great guest and Jeremiah's own firsthand experiences will propel your business forward. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Jennings. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode today here on the Growing Green Podcast. This is your host, Jeremiah Jennings, and I'm very, very excited to be coming to you today with another fresh new guest interview. And this one's really special. This is one that's kind of out of the ordinary. It's not one that I really thought I'd ever be doing. But uh, thanks to Mike Parlier from Alabama Reaping Professionals. If you listen to that episode, we did that, I don't know, maybe a month ago it was, I think. Um, so it was really fun to do an episode with Mike and he was like, Hey, we're sponsoring Spencer. Spencer's coming in and here soon before the race in Talladega. And I was like, well, let's, let's try to get him on a podcast. He's like, yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, he texts me 30 minutes ago and says, Hey, let's do it. So I'm excited. We have Spencer Boyd. Um, Spencer, how you doing this afternoon, buddy? Doing well, man. Happy to be in Alabama. Yeah. It's a, you, you had a little bit of an accent. I mean, are you from the South? <laughs> uh, Missouri. Yeah. Oh, see, so, yeah, that's yeah. a, I, it's not the South, but I would say you're, you're kind of country out there. Yeah, so. We're not Minnesota. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So you're not New Jersey, not New York, anything like that. So um, if you are, we are videoing this for the YouTube. We might put it on YouTube. I don't know. But if you see it on the YouTube, what's up? Um, so anyway, I just want to kind of get into your story, man. Tell us what you what you do, really. Uh, like I said, this is not one that we would ordinarily have, an interview. So I'm like, this is, it's interesting. It's not really, it is business, but it's a different aspect of the business that I normally talk about. So tell us about what you do, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm Spencer Boyd, a NASCAR Camping World Truck Series driver and been in NASCAR for seven years now, so uh, lucky to call it my full-time job uh, for the last five years, and, and really it's an all-encompassing job yeah. of uh, doing a lot of marketing work and, and things like that throughout the week, mm-hmm. and then uh, being the guy that's actually holding the wheel on the weekend. Yeah, I was looking at your Instagram, uh, being a pedal pusher. <laughs> that's what's in your bio. <laughs> so, right. so is that what you do on the weekends? You push a pedal, right? Yeah, so, loud pedal push. And, and hold on to the steering wheel real tight. Sometimes tighter than, tighter than others, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Talladega's probably one of the fastest, if not the fastest track on the circuit. Yeah, it, and isn't that – so some of you you're listening might never listen to NASCAR or know anything about NASCAR or anything like that. But I think – tune in. This this interview is going to be really fun. It's going to be a fun conversation with Spencer. Um, we're not just going to talk about racing the whole time. But let's talk about it for just a second. I mean, so we grew up – Talladega's one of the like, – like you said, one of the best in the cup, I mean, right? It's, it's one of the best tracks in racing, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I mean – what makes Talladega so special is um, there's only two tracks on the circuit that are two and a half miles yeah. long and obviously an oval. So high banked, you're going to you know go do 195, 200 mile an hour. Yeah. Uh, the race is three to four hours long and all the cars are racing inches apart. And when yeah. things happen, it happens quick. So as a fan, it's really exciting for a driver. Any track that has that kind of speed where things happen quick, you're just tensed up. It's a little, it's intense, little yeah. bit more uh, wild of a weekend. This, this, I'm telling you, this podcast is going to go so many directions because I'm going to think of stuff as you say it. Like, how much have you ever calculated? Like, how much weight do you lose in a race from like sweat? Man, it's hot. So uh, you'll lose anywhere from eight to ten pounds. Really? Um, so that was yeah. I was kind of goofing off. So you actually lose that much in a race? Oh yeah, yeah. A lot wow. of water weight. Yeah, you'll gain yeah. it back you'll the next back, couple days. But um, that's it's insane. so hot. Yeah, you know, um, especially when you're racing in July. I mean, yeah, no wow. air condition. Yeah, um, you know, to make the vehicle super aerodynamic. 
there's no wind coming in. Yeah. So um, you're wearing a fire suit, helmet. It's hot. Um, typically, you know, in that July, August, about 140, 145 degrees in the car. Oh, my goodness. Do y'all have, like, oxygen coming in through your through your head, like through your helmet or anything? Like, how? I mean, how do you keep a good yeah, level? So, I mean, uh, I guess you can call it oxygen, yeah. right? Um, so you have a, um air-conditioned unit yeah. that hooks up to a one-inch hose that goes into your helmet and goes out about three uh, eighth-inch holes mm-hmm. right there by, like, your eyebrows. Yeah. Um, so right there, keeping your crown cool, but it's basically taking outside temperature, dropping it 20 degrees, so if it's 90 degrees. But what's cool is when you're doing 195 mile an hour, yeah. that enforced air, yeah. you know, is coming in. So yeah. it is um, cooling and relieving and awesome because yeah. when it doesn't work you're like <laughs> you're dying yeah <laughs> but oh, i can't imagine uh, it's not like you know f- jumping in the suburban and turning the ac on yeah for like sure that. you can't <laughs> crank it on the the max ac button they don't they don't have that in the trucks no no <laughs> so back to talladega for a second those banks my dad was a huge racing fan he grew up going to talladega down back before back when you could get down in the uh What's the middle there? Um, Boulevard. Yeah, he could get down in that and watch the races from down there. I, I don't know all the details, but he always talks about and and I've watched it growing up a little bit. The banks at Talladega, like how fast? Don't you have to be going like eighty something miles an hour just to go around a turn? Yeah, I mean, like at, just to make it without your car sliding down. Right. So anything under you know seventy five, eighty mile an hour, the vehicle is going to start sliding. Like if you stop on the banking and just come to a complete stop, the car is going to slide really all the way to the bottom. So what what degree? Of the do you know what degree of the banks are there? I think it's like 36. That's insane. Which is a lot. That's pretty right? steep, yeah. I mean, um, it's wild. And then uh, what makes Talladega so different than probably its like closest uh, competitor mm-hmm. would be Daytona. Yeah. Uh, Talladega, there's a lot. It's old asphalt, and there's a lot of seams. So the seams have that, you know, asphalt sealer. Mm-hmm. Well, man, in this Alabama heat, that starts getting real slick. Really? Um, so you can really feel it when the tires slide over so as yeah. you change lanes throughout the corner you feel one tire slide then the next tire slide and it's just like you're walking yeah. your truck through the corner it's a pretty cool feeling yeah that's that's got to be terrifying though like a, a little first bit. time yeah first time <laughs> so how so tell us so now now we've caught up on tie day and the race suit and all that take us to the beginning how did you even get into racing because i have a we have a mutual friend in our industry who does professional like go-kart racing yeah and he's like a grown adult and his kids do it and stuff um he's a big something like that so how did you get started did you start somewhere like that or did you just how did you get into it yeah i mean go-karts are pretty much like everyone's first stepping Entry stone level, yeah. um so i grew up in st louis missouri uh jumped in a go-kart when i was five years old and uh had a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's tough to remember exactly, you know, yeah. how that all went down. But um, parents, you know, gave me the opportunity to, to race go-karts. And we had a lot of success. But what was cool, probably the most cool thing, was, you know, my dad was doing all the work. So, um, you know, I could go out there, get better as a driver. My dad was getting better working on the go-karts. And we were having a lot of success. And then it just turned into, well, let's go see how we stack up, you know, in the region. Let's see how we do nationally. And Mm -hmm. we kept kind of pushing each other to to get better and and have a vision of, like, what we wanted to consider success. And it was, you know, chasing trophies, right? Um, Which, as a kid, you know, five, seven years old, all your friends are playing baseball, soccer. They're getting one trophy a year. Well, I'm getting a trophy every weekend. weekend, So, you know, I was a cool kid on the block. You got to get a whole room in the house devoted to your trophy room. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) So – uh, it just became an addiction, and then yeah. um, ultimately, 
realize North Carolina is where you got to live. Um, just all the NASCAR teams, drivers, opportunities are out that way. So I was uh, 14 years old, racing legend cars out on the East Coast, and uh, worked out. Talked my parents into leaving their 20-year jobs, and we moved to North Carolina. And uh, we were naive and yeah. <laughs> probably a little bit crazy, but um, you know it's worked out uh, yeah. at this point. That's insane. I mean, it sounds like just the rest is history after you made that made that trip is what it sounds like. I mean, well, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of hard work on, yeah. on my parents and and um, you know myself. There there was a lot of rocks to flip over yeah. and, and get to the next level. So uh, that's when it turned into a business. Yeah. Um, I'd say you know right there at about sixteen, between sixteen and eighteen years old, it went from I'm racing cars and I want to be a NASCAR driver and I think this is cool to okay, if this is going to happen, there's definitely some steps that we need to take. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, what can I do outside the car to better myself, to uh, put myself ahead of some other people? Yeah, that is that is so cool. Um, it's a story that, like I said, I've, I've never really been in, in touch with the whole NASCAR racing series type stuff. So in the beginning, back when you're 15, 16, what was that process like? I mean, how did you decide, man, this is what I really want to do? And what was the money like in go-karts? Like, were you making good money on the weekends going to winning these races or were you like were your parents taking losses going and oh. just building the reputation to get it to the point where yeah you can no, go NASCAR no making money right? wow um you got to throw that to the wind um you know it's at that level uh you know as a kid you you were winning zero money um it's just a so trophy we yeah I mean it's crazy wow. so between like 11 and 14 years old I probably raced 35 weekends a year. Oh, my goodness. For zero money and back. And oh. I wasn't putting the money up, right? So yeah. my parents were, and then, um, you know, there were sponsors helping us out. You know, even at that level, right? Like, there's engine builders, tire companies, go-kart manufacturers, and just different people within the industry that want to help you out. But, right, like, nothing's for free. Yeah. It's like hey, we want to latch onto that kid because we think he's good and it's going to help us get our brand out so more of the local kids buy our products because he's winning nationally. Yeah. But you're still spending money. So yeah. parents were, you know, definitely had, you know, good jobs, upper middle class. And, yeah. and I was very fortunate go- growing up, but I was racing kids that probably had, a, you know, some more, more resources yeah. than, than we had. But um, I think that makes your story even cooler, though. Yeah. I mean, it's... It adds to it. Yeah. Adds to it. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was just a lot of fun racing the go-karts. And then, you know, to your question, um, I'd say at 14, when we moved, that's when it was like, well, shit, I think I'm going to be a NASCAR driver. Like, yeah. uh, you're making, it was like a fork in the road, and it was like this went from, I never took it as a hobby. I never took it as a hobby. I always thought this is I'm doing exactly what I need to do to be Dale Jr. Yeah. Well, when is that, that who you looked up to? That's who I looked up to. Yeah, that's, who, sure. that's who we. That was who our favorite <laughs> driver was growing up. That was my dad's Perfect. favorite. So yeah, King of Beers. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, from what people are saying, and then in your own mind, right, yeah. you're like optimistic as a kid. I'm like, okay, I'm doing everything I got to do to make it. Then at that point, it was like, okay, fork in the road. If I'm gonna, we got to move to North Carolina. Yeah. If we don't move to North Carolina, in my mind, it was like, might as well just gonna go play tennis. So, hey, you make a lot of money playing tennis. I did like <laughs> tennis, and I did play tennis yeah. for, for a year. But um, that happened, yeah. moved, and then the rest was just like a lot. It, it was like being underneath rock fall. Yeah. Um, 
because it was just every time you turned around, it was like, this is getting harder. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I could see it in my parents, like, man, they're, they know something I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, looking back, now that I'm 27, I'm like, man, they saw the, they saw the competition. Yeah. And they saw the dollars. And, mm. um, but they always stayed optimistic. Yeah. But you could tell that they knew, man, this is pretty unlikely. Mm-hmm. Um, where I was just like, just going, yeah. Let's do it. You know, yeah. if we win races, we're going to make it happen. So, uh, won a lot of races. Uh, so, I was fortunate on that end, but there's a lot more to it than that to, yeah. to actually get to the next level. How did you get good? I mean, that's kind of a weird question. <laughs> it's kind of a packed question, but, like, how did you teach yourself? Because, like, back when you were, I guess, was, was there really, like, how, I mean, how do you learn something like this? How do you learn to drive? Is it strictly experience? Is it, like, watching YouTube videos? Is right. it... Like, influencing wasn't really as big as it was is as it is now back when so, you were starting, so. Right, like, I think what you do now yeah. wasn't even available, right? That's how I'm not going to say it's easier. Come. I'm not going to say it's easier to make it now. Yeah. But I'll say that if I was to write a step stone, you know, stepping yeah. stone of yeah. how to do it, uh, there's a lot more resources and a lot more different things that you can do now. Exactly, Where yeah. back in my day, which seems weird to say, mm-hmm. um, but when you look at when I was, you know, eight to ten years old, right, fifteen years ago, yeah, um, plus, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you look at that, it you didn't have simulators. Uh, racing games were on PlayStation, not even and Xbox. Xbox. Had, I mean, Xbox was like, yeah, like not even Xbox yeah. back then. I so, remember, like, I had the original Xbox with like the steering wheel, the, yeah. the steering wheel, steering wheel, and the. Uh, the pedal attachment and stuff. Yep. That was, that was the, man, that was so, fun. So like those gave you the motor skills. Yeah. Right. And you're like, okay, like steering wheel pedals, same thing. Yeah. Right. Like you're thinking sure, that yeah. it's a, a direct correlation, but now like the simulator I have at my house right now is like, whoa, like yeah. it's uh 10,000 times cooler than Xbox. Right. It's yeah. more realistic and things like that. So now a kid can do that at, you know, 10, 11 years old mm-hmm. and drive NASCAR on iRacing. And yeah, it doesn't cost anything when you wreck the car and you don't have the feel of 180 mile an hour. But the same issues that we fight on a typical weekend, tight, loose, vibrations, the bumps of the racetrack, all that's in there. You can put that in there, yeah. Man, NASCAR 2004 didn't have that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You could barely see the cracks in the road, much less fill them. Yeah, like I remember jumping in there and driving Dale Jr.'s car, and it just said beer on it. It didn't yeah, even yeah. say the, the sponsor, right? Like, <laughs> um, it's just a different time. And, yeah. Um, so how did I get good? Um, my parents gave me the opportunity to race a lot. Yeah. And then uh, I was able to race a lot of really good people, so you're able to, you know, back then that was like GoPros were coming out and, you know, that, that time period. Mm-hmm. So you're filming stuff, watching film, parents had to handy cam, you're watching, you're, you're figuring out where kids are beating you. Um, data just started getting popular. So on the timing and scoring on your go-kart, you had track maps and um, throttle trace and all these things that yeah. I learned at a young age that now is like something we use on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at the same graphs and saying, yeah, so you just get drilled in your head like yeah. this is the method. I, I don't know, like I almost compare it to the first day I got a riding lawnmower yeah. at my house, I didn't know which way to do the lines. Yep. And it's like, man, I could hop on a 
foreign racetrack that I've never seen in my life and probably be really close. Yep. But this is in my world. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do I go this way or that way? Yeah. yeah. So uh, it's just doesn't make things harder or simpler. It's yeah. just uh, what you've grown up doing. Well, it's like they say, repetition is the key to learning, I feel like. And you did that over and over and over and over again, and it kind of built you in. And so what's cool to me is, like, you were an entrepreneur at that point. You didn't even know it. Yeah. Or did you know it? I'd say I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you were just out there racing. You were, like you said, you, you were just, you didn't treat it as a hobby, but you were, like, you were just having fun going out and, and doing what you thought you needed to be doing. Yeah, like, the word brand yeah. wasn't in my vocabulary. It's not like I was like, oh, I'm – I'm 11. I'm yeah. building the Spencer Boyd brand. Yeah. It was like, nah, I'm, I'm just racing and I want to win trophies. And then as it goes on, you start realizing like, okay, like I got to set myself apart. Yeah. Um, and just like any business, it's like, okay, now you got a logo and you're building a brand and uh, what can you, what can you do? How good are you? What are you doing differently? And then what do you do to give back? Mm-hmm. Right. So I think those are three strong pillars of any business is uh, how you stand apart, what are you willing to do differently, and then how do you give back? Because at the end of the day, like, um, I think that's very important mm-hmm. um, and, and something I've been able to do the last seven years that I've been racing. And, and my deal with the Spencer Boyd brand has been uh, veterans and, and made in America. So yeah. um, it's been a lot of fun doing that. Yeah, absolutely. So what, I mean, how do you build a brand? Ready to charge up your business and take it to the next level? Well, plug in and join us for Entrepreneur Academy Live 2022. Don't miss this electrifying opportunity to hear from our top industry professionals. Get powered up in this high-energy atmosphere, learning trade industry knowledge and ways to level up your thinking. This high-energy teaching and networking event is full of motivational information, giveaways, and trade industry secrets. Take charge and register now for the industry's largest training event of the year, Entrepreneur Academy Live 2022. All around, it's just a great experience. I didn't realize how important that LAL is. You get more than you you spend at a four, for a four-year degree. Man, I can't wait. This has been a great event, and I will definitely be back next year. Take charge and register now. Entrepreneur Academy Live is Saturday, November 12th in Novi, Michigan. Get your ticket now for the early bird price of $197. The price goes up October 10th, and the link to register is in the podcast description. So what, I mean, how do you build a brand? How did you go about that? Well, first, I want to finish the the rise to NASCAR, I guess. So, like, yeah. you get, you go from go-karts. What is the next phase? Like, is there, like, a minor league racing? Like, what, how do you get into legit big, like, NASCAR racing? Yeah, so I think the best way to look at it is uh, the whole time as you're getting older, you're trying to get in faster cars, bigger cars, and race on bigger racetracks, mm-hmm. right? So it's just this, you know, you go from here, you know, imagine the go-kart at the mall, mm-hmm. and then just... Make it as scientific and crazy as you can think and yeah. just keep going. Um, so the progression for me, um, which is pretty common, was go-karts to legend cars, which mm-hmm. legend cars are like old-looking 34, 37 Ford Chevy sedans. They're purpose-built race cars. They're new, right? They've been around since like 95, um, and, and they're still made today. So it's a popular series that you do from like 13 to 18 years old is kind of like right there. Yeah. And then you move into late models, which is the first opportunity to be in a full-size stock car. Mm -hmm. Um, And typically, 
the age of that is uh, ever-changing. It keeps getting younger and younger, and then yeah. you see kids get out of go-karts and legend cars sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see guys jump in late models at 15, 16. Yeah. I was 18. Uh, did it for two years, short time. Um, ran 23 races, 121. Um, wow. Crazy. Yeah. I uh, drove uh, what I didn't realize, but uh, drove a really good car mm-hmm. and got hooked up with you know a good team, and, and things worked out. It wasn't like the team that everybody wanted to drive for, and it wasn't the car that everyone thought should win, but um, it, it worked out, and we won a lot of races. And uh, we're kind of fast forward in this part, but yeah. um, at that time, I was selling cars, um, finishing my marketing degree, and working working at the same car dealership my dad was. So I'm learning sales, and mm-hmm. I'm learning, man, this grind sucks. Like, I don't want to sell cars the rest yeah, of my life. Yeah. And I'm looking at racing, and I'm like, man, it's it's in my hand, but it's like, man, this could really, like, in the blink of an eye, be done. Mm. And my parents were, like, at the end of the rope, like, you know, we're – you know, we're done spending money and our yeah. dollar's not going that far because, you know, if you could spend 50 to 100 grand a year in go-karts and legend cars, like, you could race a lot. 50 to 100 grand a year and and late models, you know, that's just a summer. Yeah. And you know, these guys are racing 10 months out of the year, not three. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's when I started getting sponsors, trying really hard, and, you know, I'm not, like, it's not this miracle yeah. where, you know, we found this huge sponsor, right? It was like all these little pieces coming together and, and making it happen. And we were winning, which made it easier. And that's where, you know, I have a lot of kids reach out to me and they're like, oh, you know, I'm 15, I'm 16, I want to make it a NASCAR. And it's like, well, have you won? And the answer, like sometimes it's like, I've never won. Well, why'd you move up? Yeah. Um, and I think that was the thing that my dad kept instilled in me was, we're not going to move up to the next level until you are like the man at this level. Mm -hmm. Like when you win everything, then we'll move up. When you win all that, we'll move up. Mm -hmm. There was no like, ah, you know, you're good enough. Let's try it. Um, so that type of, uh, mentality, you know, helped me not fast track my program. And there's a lot of kids that think I'm not going to make it in NASCAR unless I'm racing in NASCAR at 18. I made my start at 20. Mm -hmm. Most people would think right now, like, that's late. Mm-hmm. Here I am, 27, still fortunate still enough to yeah. be here, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's like, don't pigeonhole yourself. And I think that's with any business, whether it's, you know, trying to be a race car driver or business in general, you know, don't lock yourself into a timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not to say sit back and let things happen organic. You got to be at the forefront of it and you got to make it happen. But understand that your timeline is probably not realistic. Yeah, don't force things that don't need to be forced. Yeah. yeah. You know, like the overnight success story. Is, yeah. I think it's all over Instagram, but it's like you're selling the sizzle but not the steak Yeah, uh, when it comes to, to social media, and mm-hmm. it's so easy to compare yourself. And I think all that stuff was really new as I was coming up. Yeah. I was like growing up with social. Yeah. Now it's like, Kids are seeing social media at, you know, seven, eight years old. And it's like, man, you know, where's that going to take you? Because, you know, I was that kid with a, a lofty goal and dream. Yeah. And on social, you know, everything looks, everyone just shares what's perfect. Yep. They don't um, share the good and the bad. Even the business. Yep. 
you know, I, I have sponsors that I'm like, man, you know, it looks a lot, things look a lot better on uh, social media than in, in than real life. Is, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. I, <laughs> I totally agree with every bit of that. They, there's not enough good and bad on social media. Uh, that's, I love, we try to pride ourselves in like, we're going to show you the good and the bad and the, like all of it from top to bottom in business. We're going to, we're going to tell everybody. Yeah. All of it. Because like, that's how you build. That's how I learn. It's from other people's failures. Like that's how you should be learning. Yeah. So that's really well, cool. Um, you know, it's like we talk about social media. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly where you are in business, but if social is that important. But mm-hmm. on on my business, social media is the cheapest, most affordable way to reach people, right? Yeah. And then you try and align yourselves strategically with people that are going to help you, help get you out there more. So for yeah. me, it's like okay, if I can align with partners that are spending dollars to promote themselves, and I can latch onto that and get promotion out of it. Uh, social growth is huge. And what's funny is you talk about the good and the bad. I'm driving through Atlanta and uh, I'm actually, my dad's driving. So let's set the scene. So it doesn't look like (laughs) I wadded this thing up. So he's driving. I'm in the passenger seat. Traffic's terrible. Car merges lanes. We're merging lanes. Of course we got the right of way because we feel like it. Yeah, that's right. And they mirror tap our mirror and knock the glass out. Well, what's crazy is I'm sponsored by a replacement mirror company. No way. So it's like, I can't get mad. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I got Burko. I'm good. So, you know, but it, it's not like a ferry where you just, boom, you know, the mirror's yeah. good. So we still got a long, long journey and week ahead of us without a mirror. And my dad's like, man, you got to put that on, on Instagram. And my initial thought was like, man, you know, like I was napping like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Now the mirror's broke. Like. I'm just thinking about where we're going to eat dinner and if yeah. you, you got enough death fluid in this thing. So I'm like, you know what? It's not that big a deal. Let's make an Instagram post. So make it, then throw it on Twitter. And it's crazy because all these people are commenting and it's like, you're relatable. Yeah. And I think that's huge for social growth, whether it's a business or like an individual. If people can relate and see the struggle, yeah. like, man, you know, I'm just Spencer Boyd racing in truck series, but it's like somebody hit his mirror too. Like that yeah. happened to me two months ago. Like, yeah. It sucks, but yeah, how do you fix it? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's the mentality of how do you fix it? How do you move forward? Um, so what is the, what does the business model look like growing it to what you have today? So now you are in the, the camp. Is it still camping world for now? It? Yeah. Yeah. Three now. more months. It'd be craftsman next year. They're okay. back. Okay. So 95 to 2005, it was a Craftsman Truck Series. Yeah, that's what my dad always calls it. Yeah. So Kinda like uh, you at the Winston Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike over there, it's Winston, Bush, and Craftsman. We're yeah. getting close. We're getting close. <laughs> they got Monster back, so that's, it's not beer, but it's, it's just as bad. Yeah, that's right. Um, if you're drinking a beer, you need to be drinking a Montucky Cold Snack. <laughs> that's the best kind. That's the best kind. Okay. It goes back, Smith. But uh, what... So what does the business model look like? Are you sponsored by them? Uh, well, actually, it started out, uh, I should be sponsored by Advil. That's how it <laughs> happened. But uh, <laughs> after a few months, I will say Montucky helps. Yeah. So uh, it, it turned into a sponsorship. Yeah, yeah okay. but it started out as just me hanging out with some people in Austin and yeah. having a few too many of these blue and then cans. Needed, needed your Advil? And then, uh Yeah. Advil's not a sponsor. That's just me <laughs> being a good guy. Um, but uh, Advil, if you'd like to sponsor, send, yeah. uh, send a check to this yeah, location. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you've gotten a headache here and there. Yep. But, yeah. um, I'm an ibuprofen guy. Ibuprofen. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard you're not supposed to do that. Ad- 
Ibuprofen? Yeah, I've heard it's like tears away your liver or something. Oh, well. I don't know. You know, whatever. It works, though. Whatever gave you the reason to take the ibuprofen is <laughs> probably worse <laughs> for you. exactly right. <laughs> um, so, as far as the business, it's weird. Yeah. Um, I think that was the toughest thing for me to wrap my head around as I was like going to school for marketing. I'm like, I'm going to go to school for marketing. Yeah. Then I'm going to sell myself. Then I'm going to be in racing and, and it's all going to be great. In race, yeah. You know, like that was the 18 year old, like, psh, I can do that. Yeah. You know, I school, that's not bad. And then call some people and somebody, you know, I win a lot. It's so in my mind, I think it always seemed a lot easier than it ended up being. But the desire and the fire kept you, you know, like the nose didn't hurt that bad and just kept going. Well, as I learned about the business, I'm like, wait a minute. The race teams are their own entity. Okay. Yeah. The tracks are their own entity. NASCAR is its own group. So NASCAR's trying to get sponsors. The teams are trying to get sponsors. Tracks trying to get sponsors and the drivers are trying to get sponsors. I'm like, man, that's a lot of people trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Why is everyone doing that? Well, because it costs so damn much for everybody to operate, right? Mm -hmm. So the business is NASCAR operates. They, it's not like the NFL and things like that. So when you look at NASCAR, there's no players' union. Everyone gets charged to play in their sandbox, but they put on the best motorsports in North America. Yeah. So, most watched thing on TV, honestly. So when you look at that, um, if it wasn't for NASCAR, then the tracks wouldn't be a necessity. And then the tracks have to pay NASCAR to, to put the event on. Mm-hmm. And then the teams have to pay NASCAR to go to the racetrack. And so there's just like this big circle of uh, money. Yeah. But ultimately, nowadays, the teams are looking for drivers to have sponsors mm-hmm. and bring the sponsors to the team. So it almost looks like the drivers are paying. They're not paying, but they're bringing the sponsors. Mm-hmm. So they're looking for the best driver they can find with the most sponsorship because speed costs money how fast you want to go. Yeah. So what it looks like in my day-to-day business is, okay, speed costs money how fast you want to go. Got it. That seems pretty simple. Like, that equation doesn't seem crazy. Yeah. So, I need to go align myself with the biggest partners I can get to generate the most dollars to go to the team, to the best team that I can afford to go to. Hopefully, they manage the dollars in the right way, and ultimately, I run better. And every time I run better, then partners want to spend more money, right? Mm -hmm. So, that's how it works. But what is the sponsor getting? Yeah. So, for us... The big thing is the sponsors getting, you know, logo placement on the car and, and the car is on uh, the truck. It, you're racing on Fox Sports 1 in front of 1.5 million TV viewers any given weekend. Yeah. You talk about like Talladega, it's 2.53 million, wow. right? Um, it's just that much bigger of an event. Mm-hmm. There's 25 to 50,000 people in the grandstands. Yep. Talladega, that's at the higher side. So it's the impressions. And then what I've learned over time is, why do partners want to be in credibility? Yeah. Right. There's those sports that you think about, right. And like products too. Like, Hey, uh, are you using that new weed killer? Yeah. Where's it at? I got it at dollar general. You're like, nah, yeah. I got it at Lowe's credibility. Mm -hmm. Hey, we sponsor, uh, this lacrosse team. Oh, cool. Yeah. 
hey, we sponsor NASCAR or the local football team. There's just certain things that yeah. have more hype, right? Yep. Like in America, I think it's race cars, football. Yeah. Um, especially in our region. Especially in the South. Yeah. So when you look at that, there's a lot of crossover. Yeah. And you'll see if you look at just a map of like NFL, SEC, and NASCAR. Yeah. They may not, the same company may not sponsor both, but that genre of business, yep. roofing, landscape, blah, 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 right? Yeah. Restaurants, it's all that blue collar, yeah. middle to upper middle class. It's not down at the bottom. It's not at the very top, yep. but it's right there, and it's the heart of America. Yeah. And I think it's that's what's so cool, yeah. right? Like, it's blue collar people. Like, where I came from is the same people that, Follow me on Instagram and watch me on TV. Like, yep. when they bump into me at the racetrack, it's like, we're the same person. Yeah. I just got fortunate enough to to wake up and do what I want to do every day. Yeah. Yep. Now, depending upon how hard I work, will determine how long that lasts. Yeah. But those conversations, you know, keep it going. You say you're fortunate enough, but you put a lot of work and stuff into it. That's the thing. Like, these people uh-huh. got to take away. So, what what is one piece of advice as we wrap this thing up? I don't want to hold you too long. I know y'all got other <laughs> plans tonight. Um Thank you for taking the time to do this. What's one piece of advice you would give somebody who is looking to start, maybe a young guy like 15, 16, 17, there's a lot of those that listen to the show and is looking to build a business. And I know most people listening in are building landscape companies, pressure washing companies, something like that. So it's different than what you're doing, but in the same sense, it's in a different sense, it's not. Like, yeah, you're, you're still building a brand, you're still building a business, um, you still have to sell, you still have to market. So what is like a piece of advice you would give to somebody who's trying to do that? Yeah, I think it's, you know, first off, um, you got to be willing to do what others can't mm. or aren't willing to do. Yeah. Um, I think once you look at what you're selling or what you want to chase and, you know, do for a business, those are the main things. And then looking at don't let the no scare you, right? It doesn't matter what business you're in. Someone, If you're in landscaping, someone's going to say, I'm not interested. Yeah. And as soon as you walk away from that house, it's like, oh what do you mean? Like, you don't want to sponsor me. You don't want my service. You don't think I'm good enough. You're going to go through a thousand no's, but the, the yeses pay off. So, um, I think it's, you have to get comfortable with the no, and you also have to get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Like bills are coming in. You got to pay this. You got to pay that. Things aren't always easy, but if everything's on autopilot, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah, that's good, man. The last question that we try to ask all of our guests here, it's it's kind of simple, but it can be complex. It's just, what is your why? Yeah. I mean, my why's probably changed, right? I think yeah. everyone's why probably changes. I'm 27. So, you know, my why at first was, well, I, I want to be Dale Jr. Mm. Now, a lot of people would probably say, man, you're not really on track to be Dale Jr. You know, he was a... Daytona 500 Cup winner, and you're still in a truck series, and you're 27. He retired at 40. Where where you think you're going to be? Yeah. Um, I look at it as my why now is I want to run as many NASCAR races at this level as I can, and I want to win. It took me three years to win. I want to win at least one race every three years until I retire yeah. and show that you know I had the ability to do it. And in this sport. Um, 3% of NASCAR drivers ever win a race. So, really? you know, that may not sound like a super high success rate, but every race I enter, there's 35 losers and one winner. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, football, it's a team, right? So, uh, you know, it's 50-50 shot. Uh, seems like our odds are way less. But um, 
I'd say my why is uh, chasing that next win. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Is that your is that was that your first win? Your tattoo right there. That's it, right there. Your first win was had to get at it done. Talladega. Was that the one? Yeah. Was that it? The one? That, that was, was it. That was your first so, win ever. Yep. That's in insane. NASCAR. Yeah, 10, 12, 19, Dega, and I put the flag upside down on my truck, so yeah. it's upside down on my arm. But wow, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's just letting people know I need help. <laughs> hey, you're relatable. We all need help a little bit, man. Well, where can everybody find you if they want to connect with you? Kind of check you out some more and see what you got going on. Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Spencer Boyd PR, uh, Facebook Spencer Boyd Racing fan page, and uh, Twitter just my name at Spencer Boyd. And uh, yeah. check me out. I do all my social myself, so would love to meet you guys. And yeah. if you got any questions, hit me up. You going to win? Tomorrow? That's the plan. That's the plan. That's the plan. I hear you, man. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Spencer. That was a really fun one. It was really unique for me, uh, kind of an interview that i never done before. He is a very successful uh, NASCAR driver. We will be cool to watch and see if he gets up to the Cup Series, um, which is like the top of the line if you don't follow racing. So, anyways, that was a really, really great interview. We had kind of a, a weird ending. It was an in-person interview, and we had some stuff happen. So, we didn't get to do like a formal ending, but Spencer said where we can find him at. You can go find him there on his socials. And and we will have those plugged into the description below. Thank you again to our show sponsor, Launch Your New Academy today, and to uh, for Brian, all the great content and resources that he puts out. We will talk some more on that on shows to come, but that is a resource center that is um, unmatched. There's really not anything like it. There's some new products that I know are going to be dropping here, hopefully in the next couple weeks. So Brian's got that thing packed full of stuff um, and just got a lot of new stuff coming down the pipe. That thing's always going to keep getting better. So if you want to grow yourself and grow your business, um, go check out Launchpreneur Academy there, and he will definitely hook you up with some type of resource that you can help and grow your business to become more profitable and uh, just more successful down the road. So, without any further ado, that is going to wrap this one up, and we look forward to catching up with everybody here on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Growing Green Podcast. It is an honor to have you listening, and we hope you receive valuable advice to help take your business to the next level. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode drops.